God's standard. This is what this passage is about this morning. And so with that said, I have two main points for you to consider. Number one, what we often say rejecting the reality of God's will, verses 13 and 14. And number two, what we should say in light of the reality of God's will, verses 15 through 17. So number one, what we often say rejecting the reality of God's will. Friendship with the world, of course, influences our personal character in the most significant of ways. Its sexual mores influences the way we practice our sexuality. The world's anger and violence comes us to get angry in the same worldly and sinful ways. The way the world speaks influences our speech and the way we talk about others. But there is also one more quality of the world we need to be very careful about. A quality I think we don't often uh, consider as this. Culture's arrogant independence of God. Our culture's arrogant independence of God. Our pleasure saturated culture is also filled with people who live their lives with no reference to the Creator. And this kind of approach to life has corrupted many, many Christians and many churches. Sadly, many believers attend church. Choose their vocation, they have children, they buy and sell homes, they expand their portfolios and ride the general currents of the culture without any substantial reference to the will of God. Blessed once said, Love God and do as you please, but we say, Do as you please and say that you love God. So James in verse 13 puts that, that attitude, that, that that, that heart, those heart currents, that he puts it in, 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 in these words, verse 13. He addresses a particular category of people when he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. The period in which, in which James is writing was marked by growing commercial activity especially in the Hellenistic cities of Palestine, like Capitalist, East of Israel, the Jews were especially active in these ventures. Many of them have left the general areas and settled in cities throughout the Mediterranean world in this pursuit of financial gain. And no doubt many Jewish Christians James was writing to were engaged in this sort of industry. And so James, he's talking to well-to-do people talking to middle to upper class people. They had wealth and they, they had a privileged social status. People just like you and me. Because if you're poor, you can't say what the rich say in verse 13. You don't have those kind of options. You don't have that kind of freedom. For many in the world, you're just stuck in poverty. When you're, when you're born is where you will die. Not close to America, and there's nowhere to go. Even if the poor move to some other place in the world, I know many Syrians are kind of in the Middle East and going to different places, and, and you know what? They end up in poverty. They're in the same level of, of, of dirt, they escape from that home. But unlike the poor, many of us here, if not everybody here, engages in this, in this kind of this kind of thing, we think to ourselves, or we, or we say to our wives or husbands, you know, I'm not being fulfilled at my current job. You know, I'm thinking about changing careers, or, or you know, 
wants to move to this city or that state or that country, or my wife and I would go to Hawaii and we like a free ticket. And we just imagine living here. Like, oh, this, this is nice. Honey, you could, you, could, you could get a job here, you know? And I could, like, start a history with each of each stores or something, you know? And, and we think, oh, there's some great business opportunity in this place or that place. I can I can make my fortune there. Or we think, oh, what university do I want to attend, you know? I could go to Michigan or Connecticut. Thank you. 
not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may be reborn. Don't be so proud about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Thank you. 
us in Christ that especially bends his providence toward our well-being. Because his providence, he shows care for them, the ultimate of all that happens in life, he especially works in providence to care for those who sin and die for them. He cares about the birth of the air, the lilies, the fields. He cares about you infinitely more. With God's sacrifice, his son to die for you, only to forget about the rest of your details in your life. What kind of God do that? See, it is all of who God is that is behind His perfect providence, and this this knowledge of God's character should give our hearts the deepest, most reassuring peace. Every outcome we are hoping for, whatever happens as a result of your hard work, your effort, your relationship, and all the things. Salt comes from the heart of an all-knowing, merciful, just, powerful, sovereign, wise God who out of his love sent his son to die for your sin. No matter what the outcome, good or bad, what you were expecting or what you were expecting the least, you can trust and find peace in God's perfect providential will. Whenever you think about the future and your We must filter all of that through God's revealed will in Scripture. We must filter all of that through God's will revealed in Scripture. We need to factor in God's character and providence when we're making our plans, and we also need to evaluate our planning from a biblical, ethical perspective. We need to ask ourselves is our plan in accordance with God's will? Expressed in Scripture for His people. In these days, you have these you have, you have, you have believers and you have Christians saying, "Oh, you know, the, the Bible isn't sufficient for all things. You know, the Bible can't the Bible can't tell you how to fix a car, can it? The Bible can't tell you how to garden, can it? The Bible can't tell you how to uh, you know, uh, you know uh, have heart surgery, can it? Right? And all of this kind of this." Every plan, every ambition you're making for me in your life. 
confident and reach your goals shouldn't be based on your desire. It shouldn't be based on your talent, your gift, and your willpower. No, confidence in the future must come from this settled assurance that God's word has placed its stamp of approval on your plan. Every plan must be accompanied by the consciousness of God's divine will. Whenever we think about the future, we are destined. Whenever we make plans and goals and cultivate our nation, we need to trust in the perfect promise of God. We need to filter all of those goals from God's will revealed in Scripture. And lastly, we must beg all of all of those plans and goals and mission in humble, dependent prayer. But beg all of that in humble, dependent prayer. We must ask God in prayer to give the Give, give us a teachable and humble spirit to obey whatever God says in His Word about our plan. Let's speak to God for wisdom to know how to apply His Word as we set out to accomplish all of our dreams. Because we, yes, we want the destination to be approved by our Lord, but we also want to arrive at the destination God's way. We want to do it God's way. And so in prayer, I'm asking God for a particular outcome, and we should pray those prayers. But we're trusting in perfect character while we do it. We're confident that He is infinitely wise, and that His righteousness, and that His sovereign grace is beyond, beyond perfection. That, his, that we're trusting as we pray that His divine love will, will do everything that, that, that's best for us, so that whatever outcome that comes to pass, no, it is the perfect outcome possible. Whatever happens, if I, if I receive what I ask God for, or if I don't receive what I ask God for, that I can know for certain that there's, there can be no better answer to my prayers because the answer comes from God Himself. That kind of approach leads to thankfulness and joy because the answer, because, because the answer comes from God. Yeah. 
Thank you. 